0: This is a presentation of the Pitch Podcast Network. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Streetwise Podcast. This is your host, Brock Wilbur. I'm also the editor in chief of The Pitch. This is the Pitches Podcast. Also, you are hearing from the Pitches' new co-owner, Cat's out of the bag. Um, If you have read our site this week, gotten any of our emails this week, uh, read any other publications in Kansas City this week, or listened to KCUR with Steve Kraske, um, then you have... Certainly heard the news that uh, me and my wife are some of the new co-owners of The Pitch. Um, the Carries have moved on to new adventures, and uh, there's a group of folks here in Kansas City that decided it would be a real shame if The Pitch went under uh, for the first time in 41 years. So getting us to 42 years... Uh, is just a collection of folks that really believe in what this is. And, uh, the rest of them seem to be very good at business. Uh, a thing that I know very little about. Um, but, uh, I just get to keep doing what I do and writing the way I write and working with the people I work with. And now there's other people behind the scenes, making sure that the uh, bills get paid on time. Uh, so that's sort of exciting, uh, to take on a new fun, wacky wild adventure here. Um, viv and i could not be happier to take a huge swing here and see if we can't uh turn around uh local print journalism in the year of our lord 2022 um big weirdo scary time uh it's been a couple long months here of uh of trying to figure out just how you do something that no one here was was prepared to do or planning on doing uh I think we put together something that's really exciting. Uh, That will start to really kick in. After the new year, we are putting all the pieces into place right now. I will say that if you are a sustaining member of uh, our support squad, things in that department, uh, in terms of rewards, giveaways, and benefits for what you see from supporting us, that's about to take off like crazy. So if you've never become... Uh, A member previously, now is the time to get in on the ground floor. One of the things that I can absolutely promise you we are doing is we are going to start mailing the Pitch magazines to your house. Uh, I know that so many of you love the magazine and over the last two years have had a difficult time finding them in the hundreds of red boxes and other drop-off locations around town because sometimes they just don't show up there. Uh, That's a problem we're looking into, but, uh, you know, first and foremost... We can just send it to you. Uh, I don't know why we didn't think of this before, but uh, that's a thing that we're really excited about. You know, people getting the thing that they pay money to help support make, you know, that. Um, we've been having just a wild time at the office. Uh, we are sort of dealing with a transition and all the emotions and questions and things that come from that. And uh, as is the case with any good business transition, um, everyone's very confused, including the people that are supposed to give answers. It's, uh, it's I, you know, I thrive in chaos, except for when I don't thrive in chaos. And so we can leave it at that. Um, the same day that uh, we purchased the pitch, my wife's company, uh, uh, the, uh, the Mary Sue, uh, was purchased by an overseas media group uh, from Australia who have been very, very nice to them. Uh, very excited about uh, giving everyone better salaries. But did not offer health insurance um, because they forgot that Americans need health insurance. They're like, oh, oh, you, you're those guys. Oh, b- because here, like, everything's fine. Like, Oh, we forgot that you guys like have that whole. Uh, okay, we'll 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 get that taken care of. So that's. Uh, I love when I love when the rest of the world is, looks at us like, ah, we're we're gonna take that and put that on the fridge. We're we're proud of you for trying. You can catch up with the rest of the class soon. Um, this has been a fun time for me because I think I identified early in pandemic. My wife and I were very excited because we had a list of all these art films, classics, TV series that we were like, finally, we have the time to sit down and knock these all out. We, we, there's nowhere we can go. We'll die if we go outside. Let's, let's plow through this. And then instead we watch nothing but marriage shows and hot garbage for a year and a half. So the thing that is happening now is that we are in screener season. And what screener season is for people that work in the film industry is that all the movie theaters, all, all, all the movie studios, they start sending out DVDs of everything they released this year. Uh, just absolutely everything. Things that are still in theaters, things that have not come out yet because they want you to consider them for your end of year lists. They want people to consider them for the Oscars, for other award shows. So um, one day you just start getting a lot of packages, and now there is just a threatening amount of DVDs in a pile in the corner of our living room. And we were not prepared to get out of the out of the kids into the pool, uh, artistically speaking, after how the last year is gone. So now we're sort of like switching things up, easing ourselves back in to a place of like appreciating serious art. Uh, We'll watch a foreign subtitled film. uh, And then we will watch Hot Garbage. Uh, Tonight, we went out to the theater and saw a puppet opera. Yes, a puppet opera. That's what I was doing with my night. And I had to bail on plans with a friend because I'd forgot this was in the calendar. And I had to be like, hey, I'm so sorry. I have a puppet opera emergency. Can we do this another time? And of course, no one believes you when you say you have a puppet opera emergency. Anyway, that got done. We came home and watched um Selling Sunset, uh where the season is culminating with a dog birthday party. That is that is the through line of the entire season of just the worst thing on Netflix. Um and you know what? It feels good. It feels good. It feels like there's a lot of back and forth here, but it feels good to be like I'm happy with my choice from earlier. But I'm having more fun with the thing that I should feel bad about. Um, so that's that's what my nights have turned into now, and it's it's a nice way to ease back into the world of like, uh, you know, trying to appreciate things and remembering what art is uh, with a capital A. So <laughs> that's uh that's what I'm doing out when we have time outside of figuring out everything that the pitch is and was and will become. So thank you all for staying uh, staying tuned to this journey. I promise it will only get more fascinating and more bizarre as it goes on. Uh, and if you're listening to this show, I know that you're probably prepared for some bizarre to kick in. Uh, that's sort of always what we bring to the table here. Anyway, today uh, we have an interview with the director of a documentary uh, that is... Uh, both capital A art and also just every you, wait till you hear it. It's great. Um, we also have Nick's Music Corner as per always. But first, our friend Jason from Stolen Dress Entertainment is going to read a story
1: called Schmidt's Creep. Schmidt's Creep, Missouri's litigious A.G. wages an endless war on imaginary tyranny by Barb Shelley. In a world where outrage is the new normal, certain news opening lines can still set one's teeth on edge. Like this one. Today, Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt has... Take your pick. Sued China. Sued President Biden. Sued your local school board over its mask mandate. Sued Kansas City, St. Louis, and Jackson County over their mask mandates. Filed court motions to keep an innocent man incarcerated. Tweeted something pompous about his gallant fight against power-hungry public officials like unpaid school board members who want to protect people from COVID-19. Sued his neighbor's new puppy for chewing up his lawn. Not really, but at this point, who would put it past him? Schmidt, a former Missouri Republican state senator and treasurer, became attorney general at the start of 2019, after Governor Mike Parson appointed him to fill the vacancy created when Josh Hawley was elected U.S. senator. Hopes that Schmidt, unlike Hawley, might actually use his new job to make Missouri a fairer, more just place were quickly squashed. Schmidt took active roles in the Republican Attorneys General Association, RAGA, a group that promotes right-wing policies like voter suppression. He even served as its chairman for a while. In a story that didn't receive as much notice as it should have, two St. Louis lawyers discovered that Schmidt's office had been in communication with a fundraising arm of RAGA that promoted Trump's lie about a stolen election and even urged patriots to march on the U.S. Capitol January 6th. Last November, Schmidt officially won election to the AG's office. By then, people had begun to notice that Missouri's top legal official seemed unusually cavalier about using taxpayers' dollars to promote his political career and causes. There was that bizarre lawsuit he filed against China, claiming that suppressed information about the novel coronavirus harmed Missourians. Legal experts say it has little chance of success, but the litigation could drag on for years. Schmidt then moved on to Texas, throwing the support of his office behind the Lone Star State's ridiculous move to sue some swing states that had voted for Biden instead of Trump. He sued the U.S. Treasury Department over regulations regarding COVID funds. He sued the Biden administration over its ban on oil and gas drilling on federal land. There's more, but you get the idea. All of that nonsense, it turns out, was just a warm-up. In March, Schmidt announced on Fox News, of course, his candidacy for the U.S. Senate seat being vacated by GOP Senator Roy Blunt. Prior to joining that competitive Republican primary, Schmidt had been spraying most of his legal pellets outside of Missouri. Now he's turned inward targeting officials around the state, especially in Kansas City and St. Louis. Over a few frenetic weeks in August leading into September, the AG's office filed lawsuits against St. Louis, Kansas City, and Jackson County over mask mandates. It ginned up a class-action lawsuit against school districts that try to protect children and staff against COVID by requiring masks. And it hustled to delay a hearing that could result in freedom for Kevin Strickland, the prisoner convicted more than 40 years ago of three murders that Gene Peters Baker, the Jackson County prosecutor, says he did not commit. On September 2nd, Schmidt capped off his exhausting headline spree with a letter of guidance, advising parents to claim their students were substantially impaired in school if they were unhappy about wearing masks. Kansas City Mayor Quentin Lucas responded with a post on social media. Praying for the state AG tonight, he wrote. Honestly, may God bless him and keep him far, far from us. No such luck. To win a Republican primary for a U.S. Senate seat in Missouri, Schmidt will need to keep hurling grenades, partly to command attention, and partly to cover up the dark secret of his past. Oh yes, Eric Schmidt has a past. Not the past with a sex scandal, a campaign finance scandal, and a who-knows-what-else kind of scandal. Those would be the domain of another GOP Senate candidate, ex-governor Eric Greitens. But for Republican primary voters, the skeleton in Schmidt's closet might be worse. You probably want to cover the kid's ears before breathing this out loud, but here it is. It seems that, for much of his political career, Schmidt was a moderate. He has a reputation of being reasonable and likable, and he counts a lot of Democrats as friends, confirms Lauren Arthur, a Democratic state senator from Clay County. For Schmidt the candidate, this is the worst kind of rap. Missouri primary voters want flamethrowers. They want defiance who will stand up to the big, bad federal government. They do not want reasonable, likable aisle-crossers who understand that the government has a role in correcting injustices and protecting vulnerable citizens. But that indeed is Schmidt's record starting with when he was elected to the Missouri Senate in 2008 after serving as an alderman in the city of Glendale in St. Louis County. While a reliable vote on core GOP issues such as limiting abortions and expanding gun use, he rarely took the lead on those things. Instead, he sponsored a bill requiring insurance companies to treat children with autism, and another allowing use of a cannabis extract in some epilepsy treatments. Both bills passed. The most conservative members of his party screeched about mandates in Obamacare, but Schmidt countered by speaking passionately as the father of a disabled son. In a move that will likely surface in his Senate primary, Schmidt also sponsored a bill that would extend tax credits to none other than the nation of China to encourage cargo traffic at St. Louis-Lambert International Airport. That one didn't pass. After the police shooting of Michael Brown and the riots in Ferguson, Missouri, Schmidt engineered a law to curb the taxation-by-citation practice used by municipalities around St. Louis. Their cops routinely pulled over poor and black drivers for the sole purpose of issuing revenue-producing traffic tickets and fines. His work earned Schmidt the 2015 Best Politician honors from the Riverfront Times, St. Louis's alt-publication. Risking conservative friendships, Schmidt teamed up with left-leaning adversaries to pass Senate Bill 5 in July, the publication wrote, in a bouquet that Schmidt likely wishes would vanish from the Internet. In my experience, Eric was a very reasonable senator, says Jeff Smith, a Democrat from St. Louis whose tenure in the Missouri Senate overlapped Schmidt's. He was interested in helping kids with autism. He was interested in economic development for the St. Louis region. Eric was really trying to get at some of the inequities in the region and I appreciated it. He was willing to take ideas from wherever they came. Whatever happened to that guy? It's no big mystery, just a combination of blind ambition and Missouri's ongoing lurch into crazy land. Oh, and likely some outside advice. Schmidt's Senate campaign is using Axiom Strategies, the firm founded by former Kansas Cityian Jeff Rowe, who treats politics as a blood sport. Schmidt's aggressive legal stand against his imaginary forces of tyranny and Marxism, as he likes to blather on social media, may be paying off. A new poll by the Remington Research Group, which is connected with Axiom Strategies, gave him an edge in a field of five declared candidates, with a lead of one percentage point over Greitens. He also leads the field in fundraising. Whether he becomes a U.S. senator or remains Missouri's attorney general, Schmidt has revealed an ugly malleability. Once a voice of reason, he now produces inaccurate, anti-scientific information on Twitter, in his office's news releases, and even in his lawsuits. Once a staunch advocate for the St. Louis region, Schmidt has basically gone to war with St. Louis and Kansas City. He has disrespected their mayors, who happen to be the state's highest-profile black elected officials, and thwarted their elected prosecutors on innocence cases. It's sad to watch all the bridges that he's burned amongst the people who worked with him and enjoyed his company, says John Rizzo, a Democrat who represents eastern Jackson County in the Missouri Senate. People inside the Jefferson City bubble realize this is all an act to win the Republican primary, Lauren Arthur says. But in the process, Schmidt is becoming unrecognizable, perhaps even to himself. What are you doing and why are you willing to compromise yourself in this way, Arthur asks. Excellent question. But Schmidt is much too busy to answer. So many people to sue, so little time before that 2022 Senate primary. Thank you, Jason. And now,
0: ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Nick's Music Corner.
1: Hello, I'm Nick
2: Basic, music editor for The Pitch, here with this week's local music recommendation. Back in July, we premiered Ghost from Pure XTC. Also known as Taylor Hughes, Pure XTC is a solo project which feels big and fulfilling, taking up far more space than one might expect from one person. That said, Hughes isn't averse to bringing in some outside help on her new EP, Nobody's Home, and on the track Matches, she teams up with KC rapper Pistol Pete, whom we also featured not that long ago. Hughes might be new to Kansas City, but it appears she's making connections while also making the area her home matches is one of six tracks on nobody's home but they're all fire you can stream the ep on all major digital services and get more information about hughes's upcoming shows at purextcmusic.com here's matches This battleground going deep inside my brain. Always oh, me versus me. Where we land, we gonna see. But I'm in my fields and I'm in the booth out here cooking up with pure
1: ecstasy. See, I'll myself on the day to day and I get so faded. Yeah, I fade away and it's damaged goods. Y'all lay away and I wear a sign to say stay away. But
2: yeah, I'm wondering when I'm.
0: So a PR person reached out and they were like, hey, uh, you know, we have uh, this uh, documentary that's coming out. I don't know if you'd be interested in covering it. And I was like, "Okay, cool. Reading through the email. What's the documentary about? The documentary is called Cat Daddies. And I just hit respond and was like, yes, please send me a copy. Uh, It does not matter where it goes from here. Whatever it is, Cat Daddies is something I'm in for. And what it turned out to be uh, is a documentary about men. Uh, who love their cats, which, look, uh, I, I am tearing up thinking about a movie that I watched uh, two weeks ago, uh, just trying to introduce the interview. Um, ba- basically, it, it is just interviews with, with various men across the country uh, talking about the cat in their life and what it has meant for them. And for some men, uh, it has provided them with fame and fortune. And for other people, it has just provided a private sense of companionship. Uh, some people have gone viral, some people have gone viral and also had their careers ruined by being associated with a cat. Um, and uh, and then it goes into some places that make it less of just little slices of cat dad life and into some really, really deep uh, emotional territory. So um, anyway, uh, without further ado, here's my interview with the director of Cat Daddies, Please make sure to uh, pay attention to the film information at the end of this so you can track this so you can see it as soon as it is available on streaming. Here's that interview. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Would you introduce yourself to the audience?
3: <laughs> hey, everybody. My name is Mai Hong, and I'm the filmmaker behind Cat Daddies, a new documentary that is now showing on the film festival circuit.
0: So I, I guess the first thing that we have to take care of is I w- I would like you to apologize to me for this personal attack on my feelings that I I feel like you created just to destroy me. Is that is that why you made oh, this
3: documentary? Really? <laughs> no, no. Uh, um, yeah. I mean, it's weird. I I started out making a really light film, um, you know, really kind of fluffy film, uh, to make people happy and and things happened in 2020 in the middle of our shooting. And I think that it just sort of changed the direction of kind of where we're going. It kind of had to because we're all kind of going through this collective trauma, including the subjects in my movie. (laughs) And so uh, we had to take this weird, you know, tricky balance of keeping it humorous, but also, making sure that it was heartfelt and addressing kind of the issues that our subjects were dealing with. So yeah, it's a roller coaster of emotions. It's an emotional film.
0: <laughs> so, so the documentary for people that don't know and absolutely we'll be uh, linking to the trailer and so on and so forth. Uh, and please see it as soon as you can. It's so wonderful. Uh, it is a documentary that I, I hear was inspired by your husband who had never liked cats. And then a cat came into his life and he fell in love and you were like, how, other, how many other men are out there that don't know that they're cat daddies or, or, or men that, that like cats? And then you sort of explore this world. and so the, the story is is told through a number of subjects uh, and and about sort of how a cat came into their life and and really, changed their lives in so many of these cases like how did you go about finding the people that you were going to interview where does one go to find cat daddies was it just the hashtag on instagram and you started traveling the country or
3: it was a search on instagram just going down that rabbit hole of hashtag cat dads um men with cats stuff like that and it is endless. I mean, there were so many great subjects I wanted to include. Some of them I was already following already, like Nathan the Cat Lady, Gold Kitty. I was already fans. Um, It just became like this, you know, it's like Instagram is a great like pre-audition. I can sort of like see where the dad is located because I really wanted to diversify geographically I wanted to make sure everyone had a different occupation. I wanted to make sure everyone had a different looking cat. And then you also had to had to make sure that the cat was going to be okay with strangers in the house. So there was a lot of prerequisites that had to be met. And I would try to make sure they were met before I approached somebody because I don't want them to be disappointed, right? If I am looking into them, and then I'm like, well, you know, maybe this won't work out. So I I tried my best and then some, some cat dads didn't even respond at all. And some, there were actually a few that are kind of, I guess, Instagram celebrities. So they actually had an agent I had to go through and eventually things didn't work out because there's actually a lot of other, uh, cat related content being shot and a lot of it, you know, being, you know, uh, by other streamers. And so, yeah, there's like a competition. It was like to to try to get some people on board. And also one of the cat dads came just as a suggestion, just a random suggestion from someone. So that was uh, David, who's in New York City, who's uh, dealing with homelessness and a bunch of other issues. Um, So that was just by happenstance and then
0: I um, I was wondering how you found him so there there's there's a lot of people we are introduced to over the the course of the documentary and yeah if if you don't know going in you sort of do think this is just going to be a profile in guys that have cute cats and how it has changed their life but then there is this through line with David about a, a a person facing the challenge of houselessness and his cat Lucky and uh sort of keep coming back to how the pandemic and his life situation and so on, and, and various health things keep getting worse and that the cat keeps being there for him and brings other people in towards him. It's uh, yeah, if you're not expecting it, suddenly it just really bashes you in the heart and it just keeps oh. coming back, so. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so touching. And so, uh, yeah, I, 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 I was wondering how, how David came to be a part of your film. <laughs>
3: Yeah, so one of the people who was trying to help him for years uh, approached me when she heard about the project when we were fundraising. And she just thought that, you know, he'd be a great addition. And and really I had already been cast, I'd been set. And, but then once you read his story online on his GoFundMe, and then you meet him in person, you just can't not want to help him. And so we thought maybe including him would help him some way. And also he just seemed like the epitome of a cat dad. It's this, this cat is really his family. He calls it his baby boy. I mean, this, this cat is everything to him. Um, A lot of people may think it's, you know have treated him like it's cruel for him to keep this cat when he can't really support it but their bond is undeniable. They have a real strong bond. The cat is very well taken care of almost better taken care of than he is and so it did, it did work out in the end because we also have a story about um, TNR, about rescuing cats, cats that are on the street. And so it just felt to me like there are some parallels in these stories. It just feels like these men and these cats are just sort of left to fend for themselves. And they're really sort of dependent on compassionate people. And the big message of our film is, is about compassion. And I think after the year that we've had, that just felt stronger and stronger to me more than like the light fluffy stuff. But in the end, even though this wasn't the way I was trying to cast it, I feel like every single cat dad, their life was transformed in some way by their cat. I mean, even the even the ones that are just have like Instagram celebrity, I mean, that that has transformed their lives. It's given them a creative outlet, it's given them Something to do to connect with other people, and of course, it's changed David's life completely. Um, it's it's not only given him comfort, but brought attracted new friends and advocates um, who are trying to help help him. And he says now he's felt you know he's in the past two year two or three years he's had lucky he's felt more love than he ever has in his life. He's has more friends than he ever has. Um, it's a blessing.
0: So the, there's a lot in this about compassion and it, it, it shouldn't be a surprise to find in a documentary about the connection between human and pets that there's a lot of love there. I think the thing that I was most excited to unpack with you because I saw it starting to be sort of a through line from, from very early in the film and every story seemed to build on it. And and the title of your film really centers it as the focus with cat daddies. There is something in our culture, horrifically gendered, uh, and, and this weird thing that like everyone is having to unpack where they're like, well, you know, it's not okay to be a man that likes cats or people like we, we, you, you feature an actor who goes on dates and women will not continue to date him because they find out he has cats. And it's one of those things that as a man who loves cats, I'm just like, I, I don't know what part of me ever thought that was weird years ago. But to see it across all of these people is is to raise a big question about like where is that coming from in our culture? Because I keep racking my brain and trying to figure out like what Nickelodeon show did I grow up with where they made fun of a guy for liking cats or something? But it's it's just inherent and there's no equal opposite here because it's not like it's weird for women to like dogs. Like that's just the the staple go to on a dating site. It might as well be. It must love dogs. I'm a Pam looking for her gym. Like there's nothing weird about the gendering of dogs culturally, but somehow what is wrong with men liking cats?
3: Yeah, I think, um, I think it's just that for so many decades, the image of the cat lady and the crazy cat lady is so strong. It's just so out there in the media that, that, people have kind of just kind of hooked on to that and they don't really even consider men and, and cats. And I think just in general, men are conditioned or just conditioned, conditioned to love dogs or really anything that's more masculine, right? Or what we perceive as as macho or masculine. And uh, I just think that's our, and maybe it's just our American culture. I'm not sure, but it's, it's definitely part of, I mean, even just as we've seen in the past couple of years, And, you know, I, I was making this movie during the election and, and there's just all this, like, I don't know, there's just all this machismo and vitriol. And it's just like, you're supposed to be tough. You're supposed to be, you know, um, you know, gun loving, and you're supposed to be all these things, if you're going to be a real man and, you know, things like compassion and, and tenderness, just is, and caring about other people is just sort of thrown out the window. But I think that the, we just sort of need, I think like cats are just in general, a big mystery to people who don't have them because we don't see them in in the park. We don't see people walking them down the street. So if you don't, if you've never had one or had a bond with a cat, it is a complete mystery. We don't see them, um, you know, out in the open, right? And it's a very kind of intimate relationship that you have with your cat. is not outward. Um, and that's why like, we wanted to get into the homes of these men and make sure that we see the cat as naturally as possible. They're not posed. They're not, you know, brought into a studio and just sitting there like, here's my cat. Like we come into their home. We kind of just see like, what is their natural, you know, activity, try to see the natural interactions that the men have with their cats. And you just don't see that a lot, you know, just in movies and TV in general, um, or in just day-to-day. We always see dogs, right? We always see them in our neighborhood. We pass by them when we're taking a walk. They're just kind of everywhere. (laughs) Whereas cats are, you know, uh, you know, they're, they're a little more difficult to earn their trust and to kind of see see who they really are and that they
0: I I was very surprised to be watching a documentary about about cat parents and be like oh we're normalizing a gender issue here okay (laughs) that came out of nowhere and now I'm having to reflect on myself but like you were talking about like you know we see dogs in the park and that normalizes them but the more I was thinking about the more I'm like no one thinks it's fucking weird if a man owns a fish a bunch of fish in an aquarium there's nothing gendered either way about that or we don't see fish out there like there's so many other pets and then there's something just so specific about cats where suddenly that's a cultural red flag maybe going both ways but especially as the film highlights like it's not a pleasant road for a lot of these men at the start
3: (laughs) yeah i think it's changing though i think social media has helped change it also just um cat videos just on youtube and I think these, you know, even before this movie, some books have come out about men and cats, and there's been like, uh, you know, photography and art shows about it. I I think that it's it's definitely starting to to change, and men are coming out and being proud. They're being, you know, proud cat dads. I, I actually have a quick story. My own brother, I I didn't know he had a cat until he came to out to my screening and then after the movie he started posting he started sharing like a picture of him with his cat on his chest i had no idea he had a
0: secret cat
3: i mean it was a secret to me it was never you know and so somehow this movie now like i guess made him feel like it was okay to share that he he has this cat (laughs) and he's like so proud of the movie and he's so proud of um of of now being a cat owner I I know it's just like really weird it's like my own family and I had no idea there was a cat dad in it
0: I love this for him and I love this for you uh thank you so much for sharing the film with me uh when can people expect to be able to see it
3: (laughs) I I hope it'll be everywhere and anywhere uh sometime by next year maybe this time next year but for now we're taking it on the road we're trying to do as many in-person screenings as possible um it's really important to me because I just think it's really fun and it's more impactful to bring this to the cat loving community um you know give people a safe space to come and be together and laugh and there's a lot there's a lot of there's tears but there's a lot of laughter too and and um I'm really glad that it Gave you, a, you know, an emotional response. That means a, a lot. I mean that that means that I've done my job, <laughs> and um, thank you.
0: Yes, you made me cry a lot. Congratulations. <laughs> we, uh, where? We, what's we, the website uh, where people? Oh.
3: <laughs> it's CatDaddiesMovie and we're on all social media under at CatDaddiesMovie, and you can follow us and see where we're going next. We're hitting all kinds of cities. Uh, Uh, the rest of this year and also into next year and then hopefully it'll be you know somewhere where you can rent it or stream it Um, you know we're hopeful we're looking for distribution so
0: well we will keep people updated on on when they can see it Uh, thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time and congrats on the movie it's wonderful
3: thanks brock (laughs)
0: And that's been the Streetwise podcast, an extension of The Pitch from Kansas City. I am your host, Brock Wilbur. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. As aforementioned earlier in the show, if you're not a member uh, supporting uh, The Pitch yet, no one's mad at you. But also, if you wanted to chip in a couple of bucks each month to help make sure that we continue to do great journalism as we expand our newsroom and the voices that we are working with in this city, Um We would really appreciate it, but also you're about to get a lot more from it. And if you're somebody that's been supporting us through the pandemic here, thank you for hanging in there. It's about to be so much more worth it than it was before. Please don't go anywhere. Um, We are doing great stuff each and every day at ThePitchKC.com. I want to thank my team, Savannah, Lily, Andrew, Jason, um, everyone that works uh, in the extended network of writers with us. Uh, We are just... We're just gung-ho about where we go from here, and we are so excited to see. And some of us, just excited to see what that is. Like, it is a surprise for all of us. We're just going to try our best and see where it goes. So, really thrilled that you're here for this. Please take care of each other. Be good to each other. I'll see you next week. Pitch in, and we'll make it through. Bye, 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 bye. Bye.